0: Okay, if you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of Bilemon, Bilemon, however you want to pronounce it. going to read through this real quick. The topic for tonight is slavery. And what exactly does the Bible have to say about slavery? Before we get started, let me ask this question. Is slavery a sin? No? Anybody else? And yes, brilliant answer. Well, wouldn't it be more about how you would treat someone who is indentured to you? Okay, we're going to get into that, Ms. Sheila, but you're absolutely correct, yes. But the actual act of slavery, of having another person in your, I guess you could say, bondage, uh, that you used to do work with is what we're referring to here. I thought that was laws of the land. Uh you talking about right now? Yeah. Yes. Uh, and I'm I'm referring to in the, the historical context. I guess I should have, you know uh, clarified that but or maybe I should have rephrased that as was slavery a sin? So that's the topic we're going to look at tonight, so uh, let's look at uh, Philemon real quick. Uh, most of you are familiar with this, this book, this epistle. It's one of the uh, quote-unquote prison of epistles that Paul wrote while he was imprisoned in one of his imprisonments. Um, Philemon was a resident of Colossae as well as a a convert of Paul's and was a uh, member of the church there at Colossae. And as a matter of fact, the church at Colossae met in Philemon's home because uh, apparently his house was large enough to house everybody and therefore they met in his home, which leads to another point that if he had a large home and was a slave owner, it just kind of leads me to believe that he was a man of wealth, and he was not the only member of the church there at Colossae who was a slave owner. Uh, there, was, there were many others, so uh, let's see. We'll just start with uh, verse 1 and read, read the whole book. Uh, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Ophia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house, Sophia, his wife, Archippus, his son, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing in which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is... Convenient, Yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such and one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel, but without thy mind would I do nothing. That thy benefit should not be, as it were, of necessity, but willingly, for perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him for ever Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself, if he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee aught, put that on my account, I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand, I will repay it. Albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me, even thine own self besides. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord, having confidence in thy obedience. I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. But withal, prepare me also for a lodging. For I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. There salute thee, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Jesus Christ. Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, and fellow laborers, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So Onesimus was a slave of Philemon, who apparently had wronged Philemon in some way. It's not exactly known what he did, but it is uh, believed that he stole or did something like that and then ran away from him to Rome. While in Rome, he uh, somehow hooked up with Paul while Paul was in prison. uh, It's believed that uh, due to Paul's uh, time that was spent in Colossae and the conversion of Philemon as well as many others, he probably knew Paul and had a good bit of contact with him while Paul was there in Colossae. So he sought out Paul and found him. Um, We don't know how long time frame, you know, but uh, he was converted. Paul converted him and uh, basically told him, look, you've got to go back to Philemon. During that day and age in the well basically the entire Roman Empire and uh, the Middle East which covers uh, all of the area that Paul's missionary journeys took him to uh, slavery was rampant I guess you could say. It was widespread it was just a social Uh, like socially accepted, I guess you could say. It was a way of life. It had always been done like that. And uh, the Romans were not the only ones to do it. uh, The Egyptians, Babylonians, the Greeks, uh, the Romans, and the Israelites. Uh, The Jews, uh, or the Israelites, um, according to Hebrew law, which we discussed Sunday morning, um, was very specific, I guess you could say. It lined out, it had very specific laws regarding slavery and what you could and could not do in respect uh, as far as what slave owners or slave masters could do to or with their slaves. It it was very specific rules and regulations. Um, Now back to Onesimus. He was in Rome. The penalty for being a runaway slave and harboring and aiding and abetting a runaway slave was death. So they were, Onesimus was, and Paul could have been in violation of Roman law. Therefore, he instructed Onesimus to return to Philemon and basically right the wrong. Uh, Accompanying Onesimus back to Colossae uh, was Tychicus, um, and he sent this epistle, this letter, back with them. The reason he was accompanying most likely was for safety reasons, because you had actual, I guess you could call them like bounty hunters, uh, people who would, that's how they made their living, they would hunt down escaped slaves for money, for a ransom or, you know, uh, like a, uh, a bounty, basically, that was on, their, on them. So they would, uh, you know, this was for his sake, I guess, his safety. So when he uh, was to return and give Philemon this letter, it asked Paul asked Philemon to receive him back not as a servant or slave, but as a brother in Christ. So real quick, let's look at um, let's see where did I write it down at. Let's get the hermeneutics out of the way. Everybody likes to study hermeneutics, right? Uh, Hermeneutics is basically the science of translation. And the reason it is important, uh, especially in studying, is because not every Greek, Hebrew, Latin word, whatever, accurately translates into an English word or phrase or term. So it's important to look at the actual, the original text and the original uh, words used, whether it was written in Greek or Hebrew in the Old Testament. Uh, So the Hebrew term was evid, E-V-E-D, and the Greek term was doulos, D-O-U-L-O-S. So, uh, not every time, but most of the time, uh, when you see the word servant, the English term, or the English word servant in the New Testament, it's referring to a slave or bond servant. Uh, it's got other meanings. Uh, I like to think of it a lot as the word Wine. You know, there's been many discussions on the word wine, uh, new wine, fruit of the vine, what it means, and then the whole translation of that word. Uh, it's very similar to the word servant, the English term servant in the New T- and Old Testament uh, as well. So, but I know in my Bible, uh, a lot of it, uh, it'll actually say in the margins. It'll have a, a note that the word servant in that verse means slave. I don't know if, uh, you know, I guess it depends on the Bible you have. So Philemon was to accept Onesimus back as a brother in Christ um, and not just a slave. And Paul guaranteed to Philemon that he would repay the debt that was owed by Onesimus, because obviously Onesimus did not have any material things, money, anything like that to repay that debt. Um, so he was, he was te- you know, asking. He was not telling him, uh, verse 9, for love's sake I beseech thee, which means he's asking him to take him back. Um, and forgive him, and forgive him for what he did, and treat him now as a brother in Christ, first and foremost, and then as his slave, second. So one thing we've got to keep in mind now, that as uh, Onesimus is now a Christian, a brother in Christ, that he will fellowship with Philemon, his master, in, you know, Bible study, worship service, communion, etc., everything. So that's going to help to build a bond, will it not? It's going to be... The slaves kidnapped or captured? No, but as that was some
1: people walk into it on their own. Maybe they owe somebody money and they go into servitude or, or there's there's any number of them. but we're talking about that they, they in old times just like they captured people and made slaves.
0: Why would it be a sin?
1: Because Jesus wouldn't force somebody to do for them. We're told to love our fellow man,
0: not not make them in bondage. All right, let me ask you this, Sheba. Good discussion. This is what I was hoping for. In those days, not er, from before Christ, from before Christ, all the way through. Slavery was legal. Legal is one thing, but right is another. Okay. We have laws that I don't think that are really right. Okay, let's just go ahead and get down to the nitty gritty. Tell me where it says that it. I mean, what's a good scriptural example of why it would be wrong? Well, I mean, just you know. But uh, the, tent, uh, the what is it? Oh, the, um, so love that brother. That goes back to the treatment of slaves, would it not? All right, that's good discussion. I'm gonna to get to you. Uh-huh. All right, that's part of this. All right, so let's just move on. We're we're graduating. Well, we've got the mind going now. That's what I wanted. All right, so let's turn to First Timothy six one. First Timothy six one. And I'm going to tie this all in together, Miss Sheila. It may not be tonight. I hope I have time tonight. If not, we'll finish it up next week. It's a lot. Once I got into this. Uh, there's a lot to it. And one reason I wanted to study this is because I personally have never heard a lesson on it. Has anybody else? I've never heard a lesson devoted specifically to slavery and what the Bible says about it and the Christian view of slavery. So that's one reason. uh, And... uh, So that's one reason that I'd actually been thinking about it and doing a little bit of study on it. And then David asked me to teach. And so I kind of, to be honest with you, hurried this thing along. So uh, 1 Timothy 6, 1. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor that the name of God and His doctrine be not blasphemed. Titus 2.9 Titus 2.9 Exhort servants Does anybody's version have anything other than servants? But just curious. Bond servant. Okay. New King James. New King James. So that's a slave, a bond servant. All right. Exhort bond servants to be obedient unto their own masters, and to please them well in all things, not answering again. First Peter two eighteen. First Peter two eighteen. Um uh, servants be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle but also to the forward to the um. <clears throat> okay, and then Colossians three these next two are very important or they really bring out good points. Colossians 3:22 through 25. Colossians 3:22 through25. Servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with thy service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart fearing God and whatsoever ye do do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men knowing that the Lord knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance for ye serve the Lord Christ but he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done and there is no respect of persons and then finally Ephesians chapter 6 five through nine. Ephesians six, five through nine. Servants be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of heart, as unto Christ, not with thy service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ Doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord, and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free, whether he be a slave or a free man. And you masters do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master is also in heaven, Neither is there respect of persons within him. So these passages that I've read, they're instructions to slaves. And not just slaves, but also to their masters and how to treat the slaves. It is definitely a social and today a moral issue. However, um, mindsets change, do they not? Uh, back, well, well, we'll go back to the the early U.S. Slave owners did not think there was a moral issue, and they had scripture to back that up. They did. Yes, they did. But they also
2: knew they would never get a a country to coalesce unless they allowed it to happen, and that's why the Constitution was written in such a way that slavery would be abolished over time, here regardless of what people thought about it. All
0: right. So, how was it written to ensure that it would be abolished?
2: So that over time, the non-slave-owning population would outgrow the slave-owning population, and it would be voted out. That's the whole purpose of that whole three-fifths compromise. And our founding fathers knew that when they did it. Okay. So we don't political.
0: Did God ever use slavery? When? He
2: used it to punish his servants on multiple occasions. He used it to benefit his servants on multiple occasions as well throughout the history of the Israelite
3: nation. It's in the law of Moses.
0: It's in the law of Moses. Mm he would serve as a slave in order to repay a debt. Okay? Correct? There were several types, I guess you could say, of slaves. You had those who uh, would uh, basically give themselves to their debtor as a slave to pay back the debt. Prisoners, if you broke the law, they were used as slaves. Um, you had, uh, and then you had the, um, those who were captured in war, prisoners of war. They were used as slaves. And then uh, you had uh, what we traditionally think of those who were captured and sold into slavery. So, you had different types... to make money. Do what? Um, sometimes people, they captured people and they use them for their own advance, for their own financial advance. Yes, there's definite, that is the basis of slavery, is economics. Economics, that is the basics, the basis of slavery. Um,
2: I'm reading this
3: wrong. No. It seemed like if it, was a, if it were a sin, uh, I would have been writing to masters
0: who are Christians. You have to let your slaves go. Did everybody hear that? It's not there. When he wrote this to Philemon, this letter, this was not to the church, by the way. He would already written to the church at Colossae. This was a personal letter to Philemon. If Paul... Why did Paul not point out the fact this is a sin, you need to free him and free all your slaves and not just Philemon, all that whole region, all the slave owners, all the slave owners in that church there at Colossae. Why did he not tell Philemon and in Colossians, tell the church as a whole to free the slaves. But these verses I read you, they told, instead, they instructed the slaves how to act and how to serve under their masters, but also the masters of how to treat their slaves. Anybody? Why did he not... Why did he not... um, Rebuke. Philemon. Could you, would you consider the abolition, if you were an abolitionist, was that a social movement or a religious movement? <laughs> it's largely a political movement. Social political, but make it social. Yeah, I will count, almost count the two hand in hand. but. If you want to... So how about you
2: split that heart? Yeah. But yeah, you you are correct. Oh, uh, one question. In verse 2 where it
0: says, bring to the church in thy house, what's the problem with the church in thy house? Which which passage is that? Philemon. Philemon verse 2. <coughs> They were meeting in Philemon's house, his actual home. So it's saying, to the church in your house. What the, is, that, is that the question you were asking? Okay. All right. Now, who? Oh, Larry. I'm glad you brought that up. Turn to Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 9, verse 25. Uh, By the way, what Brother Larry was talking about, the majority of slaves that came to North America came from West Africa. Uh, And... Uh, for every one slave that came to North America, 12 slaves went to South America. So it's, you know, a lot of times, uh, one slave is one slave too many. But a lot of times, people think of the, especially the southern U.S., as being this huge. Uh, You know, concentration of slaves that they were all going there, but that's entirely not true. All right. uh. All right, And, it, it's, it's just, and I'm, I'm thinking that's what
2: you're fixing to point out when we went back to Genesis, uh, when we go back to Genesis. But we need to understand that. We seem to visit this whole subject every time in a microcosm of what happened here a couple hundred years ago. It was just simply a continuation of what was going on in the world. And it's still going on in the world today.
3: That's human trafficking. We don't call it slavery.
1: That's...
0: And let me bring up one point on human trafficking, okay? It's against the law. Slavery at that time was not. But it's the side concept. Yes, yes.
1: In this room, who thinks that's
0: right. So, it's slavery is the same thing. It may have been legal, but that didn't work. But we do have a specific, we can go to book, chapter, and verse on killing. Yeah. Can we not? No offense, Miss Sheila. I understand, but people have tried for centuries to put it down into book, chapter, and verse. Probably will never oh, you're right. I, 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 I'm, I'm not saying that
1: it's, but God in heaven will will decide on that at some point. But it, it cannot be right to enslave someone for your own advantage. Somebody
0: wants to become and I'm, and I'm not trying. I'm not up here to change anybody's mind. I'm just trying to, because I just wanted to know what the Bible said about it. And I wanted to, I basically wanted to find book, chapter, and verse that said owning another human being and putting them into slavery is a sin. And I have yet to find it. Now, there's a lot in here about how to treat someone that is a slave. But finding a book, chapter, and verse on it actually being a sin, if it is legal within the laws of the land, you know, I just... And I'm not going back, I'm not trying to get into the philosophical, moral issue here. We all know that, the answer to that. But, and what we're discussing now, it's been discussed for centuries and centuries. So, uh, real quick, let me, uh, Southern Baptist. Anybody have strong ties to Southern Baptist or, you know, like kin folks or grew up close to it? In 1845, they split from the Baptists, you know, because of the issue of slavery. Not only the Baptists, the Methodists, Presbyterians, all the churches over this issue in my opinion that's a sin there's no reason for this issue to cause division among the church and yet it did Um, Jefferson Davis President of the Confederate States of America Said "...slavery was established by a decree of Almighty God. It is sanctified or sanctioned in the Bible in both Testaments from Genesis to Revelation. It has existed in all ages, has been found among the people of the highest civilization and in the nations of the highest proficiency in the arts." Abraham Lincoln suggested that God had brought on the Civil War as punishment for slavery. And in his second inaugural address, get this, this hits home, I think. Abraham Lincoln quotes, both sides read the same Bible and prayed to the same God and each invokes his aid against the other. So, um, I'm not done. Alright. Homework. Thank you, Larry. Homework. Read Genesis nine twenty-five. I was going to get into the issue of how race came into the whole slavery. Aaron, like Aaron pointed out, that all races, all people, civilizations through time at some point were most likely slaves. Uh, But at some point, it became an issue of race, and there's a concept from chapter uh, 9, verses 25 through 27, that addresses uh, Canaan, uh, the son of Shem. It says, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, a slave of slaves, shall he be unto his brethren, and he said, Blessed be the Lord of God, Shem and Canaan shall be his servant. So basically there's this concept out there, and I want everybody to research it, that uh, Ham's descendants are the ones that inhabited Africa. and This is supposedly where the black race came from, was from Ham, Noah's uh, son, Ham. So Noah has put a curse here on Canaan. Some people think that because of this curse placed on Canaan that his descendants, i.e. the Africans, were to be in servitude through uh, perpetually, basically, because of this curse. And I'm going leave it, to leave it at that. That's an S. That's an interpretation. Not specifically saying that, but that is a concept. And that concept is where race kind of starts coming into play in the whole slavery thing.